the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey, hey, welcome to the Bean Ninjas podcast. This is Anthony Chance to move the learning and community lead here at Bean Ninjas. And uh, I've got with me today, Matt Wolf from... Uh, a couple of things, evergreenprofits.com, which is the, the, the business arm of the business, um, mm-hmm. and also the Hustle and Flowchart podcast, which is actually how I discovered uh, Matt and his business partner, Joe, and co- co-host Joe. Um, so welcome to the show, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> We're going to definitely gig out uh, all things marketing because that's kind of the world that we live in. But um, also more about that. I, I'm all about finding out the human behind the marketer. Um, and so I can see a bookshelf of knowledge behind you. So um, <laughs> at some point, I'd like to dig into that with you. Um, sure. But can you just share with our audience sort of what you're, well, how you're doing, first of all, and where are you recording from today? So I'm, I'm doing great. Yeah. I mean, right now it's uh, my two in the afternoon and I'm recording from San Diego, California in the US. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, things, things are going good right now. Love, love talking about marketing and nerding out about this kind of stuff. So that always puts me in a good mood. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. So today you're going to share your tips on how to sell online products through content and affiliate marketing. Um, we'll definitely dive into something that you guys like to do a lot, which is repurposing content as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's just that whole, I mean, that's major, like we could go on for hours about that. Um, so I'm going to have to do my best to try and consolidate and, and bring it down. Um, before we go into the, the, the uh, tech stuff, let's talk about just, I'm curious, whatever, whatever happened to your childhood dream of becoming a jet pilot uh, or becoming <laughs> an, an NBA player uh, and a professional basketball player? Did you ever pursue any of those? Uh, the, the jet pilot was like a real young kid thing. Right. So I, I wanted to be a, when I was like, you know, seven or eight years old, I used to go and watch, um, we have air shows here where you can go and watch the military jets fly around. And there was a real popular one, um, called the blue angels here. I don't, I don't know how people, you know, how familiar people are outside of the U S with the blue angels, but it's like a aerial acrobatic jet show. And my, my parents used to take me there. San Diego is a big military town. So I used to see the jets flying around San Diego all the time. And when I was a little kid, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be up in one of those jets. But as I got older, um, you know, well, first of all, it's not great to be tall and fly jets. And I'm pretty tall. I'm 6'3". So, you know, that sort of kind of rules me out in the first place. But second of all, you know, I was never really that inclined to be... um, to to be in the military, I guess, you know, that wasn't really something that I had much of a colleague to do. I just wanted to fly jets and apparently they don't let you just fly jets if you're not in the military. So, um, that, that, that didn't really, uh, you know, stick the basketball thing. I did try to pursue. I played basketball when I was in elementary school and then middle school. And then I played basketball in high school. And then about halfway through high school, um, I kind of got into skateboarding and video games and other stuff. And I just nice. kind of, stopped practicing basketball as much and that that kind of fell away a bit <laughs> uh, i feel yeah like i um similar story like i played basketball throughout high school and then uh no dreams of getting into nba i don't think there's well now now there are aussies in there but there weren't when i was in school um and uh, also asians are quite hard and i'm not as tall as you i'm six one um mm-hmm. 
and uh, yeah, ended up getting into Counter Strike, and that kind of took me away from the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did in high school too. I was obsessed with Counter Strike, and I think StarCraft were my two games. Yes. <laughs> Wars, baby, uh, love it. So, um, okay, well, and now you're also. Um, I've seen photos of you, and, and you've got your, is it your daughter uh, on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me, what's the best part for you about being a daddy? Oh, uh, I mean, I have I have two kids now. I have a daughter. My daughter's seven, and my son's five. Um, and it's, you know, right now, as I'm saying this, I actually hear my kids fighting in the background. So, you know, that's the, the, the not so great parts, but, um, <laughs> you know, I just, I love just seeing them experience new things for the first time. Like that is just the best feeling in the world when you, you know, you go on a trip or something and you show them some awe inspiring scenery and they're just as in awe by it as you are. Or, um, you know, my favorite thing lately is my kids have both gotten really into Legos. So we'll go and build cool stuff together with Legos. And, and that's been really fun. And my son, he's really into to doing puzzles. And I'm kind of a, a nerd for puzzles, just, you know, jigsaw puzzles. Yeah. And so him and I will build puzzles together. And, you know, it's, it's just fun to find these common hobbies that you can do with your kids in your free time. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what I love doing these days. That's amazing. And I, I love that parallel between doing puzzles and business or marketing, like it's about finding all the pieces and how do they fit and, you know, um, so I can see. Yeah. And a big key to it is, is just patience as well. You know, you like, as you're doing puzzles, you want it to go faster and you can kind of see how everything goes together, but you don't exactly know how to make them all fit together yet. And I mean, there's a lot of great parallels there, but I think the one thing that that it's almost becomes kind of meditative Mm. and, and helps me, with the focus, you know, the focus and the, the impatience and that kind of thing, doing puzzles, you know, you, you can only go at the pace that you can go. So absolutely. And I love that you mentioned the word focus because we started off before we jumped <laughs> on the call about this, uh, your theme for the year and that is focus. And, uh, tell us about, uh, when it comes to, you know, this topic of selling online products, right. Um, and, and whether you're doing content marketing, affiliate marketing, all of those things, um, how important is focus and, and, and how easy can, like, there's so much you can do. And I get this all the time. It's like, oh my gosh, am I doing podcasts? Am I doing guest posting? Am I doing Facebook ads, Google ads, you know, the, the whole kit and caboodle? Um, how do you have you and, and, and uh, being able to sort of narrow down on these are the, like the four or five or three things that we're going to do in 2020? Yeah, well, it kind of feels like our business. So we've been doing this stuff since, I mean, I, I started an online business in 2005. Uh, doing sort of freelance web design. Joe and I partnered together in 2007. Um, I quit my job in 2009. Joe and I started our first podcast in 2010. So we've been doing this for, what is that, 15 years now? And over the last 15 years, it's just been this constant expansion and then contraction. Like we, we find new ideas and we add stuff to the business and we add stuff to the business. We add stuff to the business. At the end of the year, we always go, man, we're doing too much. And then we sort of contract and bring it all back. And then we start, you know, bringing things out of the business. And it seems to be this process that we just kind of do every year. And, and to say that it won't happen again, you know, that, that's really hard to say. I have a feeling what will end up happening is we'll probably get this focus and we'll add more stuff. And then we'll sort of contract a bit and bring some stuff, you know, cut some stuff out. But the way we really have figured it out is I'm a data nerd. I just love digging into the stats. So for me, what we did in at the end of December 2019, beginning of January 2020, we sort of did a big audit on all of our numbers. We looked at where are we spending all of our time? We, we literally kept logs. I wish I had one on my desk. I don't have it anymore. But we literally kept logs of 
minute by minute, like what we were doing throughout the day. It was actually in 30 minute blocks. And in each 30 minutes, we'd write down what we did in the last 30 minutes. And we did that exercise for like six weeks to figure out what were we spending all of our time on. And then we also looked at all the data. We looked at all of the numbers and, and tried to figure out where all of our revenue was coming from. Was it coming from our affiliate marketing efforts? If it was, which products was generating the most amount of revenue? Was it coming from our course sales? We had some agency stuff we were doing for a little bit. We have sponsorships that we do with our podcast. We have our newsletter. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we're doing. So we were just looking at the numbers and figuring out, okay, where is the money coming in from? And, you know, the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, it holds true. We found out that 80% of our income was coming from 20% of the time of the effort that we were putting in. And where all that income was coming from for us was the affiliate marketing stuff. But where we were spending all of our time was you know, managing customers who bought our courses and managing agency clients and um, all of the back and forth involved with all of those kinds of things is where all of our time was being spent. But our money was coming from all of this affiliate marketing stuff that we kind of set up once and let it do its thing. And then we'll add another piece of content in and let it do its thing. So that was really how we came to the conclusion of let's just hone in. So mm -hmm. the podcast stays because we just love it. We just love talking to people. We love learning. We love uh, exploring new ideas. We love the networking aspect of it, getting to know other people. So that stuck for those reasons. And then the affiliate marketing stuff stuck because of just our ability to dig into the data and figure out what's working and where our time is going. Yeah, that's, I really like that. And becoming a data-driven organization is kind of like we've been going through that journey. Uh, we've been injured as well. Uh, we're heading into our fifth year now. Um, and especially with marketing, because it, it can get really, when you start out, it's really easy to just let's try to throw, you know, a few hundred bucks or a few thousand dollars here and, and you're doing all these things. And if you don't have the, um, and that's the biggest complaint I'm sure you hear, it's like, what's the ROI? Like if I, if I do, you know, LinkedIn live for the next 12 months, what's the ROI? And, and <laughs> like, well, if you don't have the data to back up, it's very hard to determine where, what's working, and what's not working. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to, to sort of speak into that a little bit, when it comes to things like Facebook lives and, you know, LinkedIn videos and posting on Instagram and all that kind of stuff, some of that stuff is very, very difficult to quantify. It's very difficult to, to go, okay, by doing this, I'm getting these results. And so I think with a lot of that kind of stuff, you just got to have, you just need to look at the sort of aggregate results of all of it together. You know, how, if we're going and posting on Instagram daily with new videos, how are our podcast numbers growing? How are our newsletter subscribers growing? You got to look for correlations versus, uh, you know, direct response data. So a lot of the social media stuff, that's all we're really doing is we're just trying to find correlations. When we're more active in our Facebook group, how does it impact our newsletter sales? How does it impact affiliate revenue? How does it impact our, our uh, podcast growth? All of that kind of stuff. So a lot of what we're doing in the, the kind of like doing things that don't scale is we're just looking for correlations. And if we can find correlations of, wow, this seems to be moving the needle, then we'll kind of lean into it, do more of it, and see if it moves the needle more to kind of prove our theories. So it's kind of a very scientific method, data-based approach, even with the, the things that don't scale. Yeah, I'm hearing that. So can you take us a bit behind the scenes for the data geeks listening to this? Um, so what's, like, what are you using for a dashboard? Do you have some like, out-of-the-box tools or have you developed your own thing? Are you using Google mm -hmm. Dashboard? Like, what, what are you actually doing to actually get that data from different um, channels that you're out there uh, and, and putting it all together and having sort of a place to look at and go, okay, let's make some decisions around this based on what we're seeing? 
Yeah. So our biggest, the, the tool that we use the most is actually a tool called Improvely. I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with it, but um, we use Improvely to sort of track the attribution of what's working. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it'll give you basically a special link for when you're running a Facebook ad or a Google ad or, or any of those kind of things. Or even when we mail our list, we'll use UTM codes in our emails inside of the URLs that we're using. And then Improvely will track the effectiveness of those URLs, regardless of uh, you know where you sent it from. It'll also give you the attribution data of, okay, this person clicked on your Google ad. And then after they clicked on your Google ad, they saw your Facebook ad. And then they clicked your Facebook ad and then they bought. I can see that whole customer journey inside of Improvely. So we've been using that to kind of get the more direct response data. And then when it comes to the more correlation kind of data about the Facebook groups and the Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Most of that data, we're just making our own spreadsheets. Like we're, you know, once a month or so, I'll go and see, okay, how has our Instagram growth looked? How much have we posted? What sort of, you know, social metrics are on these posts? Okay, can I find a correlation between the growth in Instagram stuff and the growth in our download numbers on, on our podcast? And I'm just trying to look at the data and see if I can find correlations. I wish there was a better tool or a better answer <laughs> for how to figure that out. But it, quite honestly, I'm just, I just live in Google Sheets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty common. Um, and there, I mean, there are much more expensive product sets out there, but I think um, do what works. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I like that you can go back to simple like UTM tags and things like that, um, which is mm-hmm. what we're doing as well. Um, all right, cool. So let's, let's, well, well, you mentioned podcasts. So let's talk about just, well, where, where are you at? I, I remember reading a while ago, you were at 100,000 downloads. Are you still there? Are you climbing? Where are you at? Like in the last So, so right now we're getting about 50,000 downloads a month. Um, and I think our overall download numbers since we've started, I think we're approaching a half a million downloads total. Um, we're hoping to, you know, if, if we keep on pace, we shouldn't have an issue passing a million downloads this year. But that's kind of where we're at right now is our average month is about 50,000 downloads. Amazing. And that's, you've been going for how long? Uh, so this specific show where Joe and I are co-hosting it, we've, we started this one in January of 2017. So we're just, we just passed the three-year threshold last month. Right. Cool. So for those listening right now and going, how, how, how did you do that? How did you go from zero, right? Just launched on iTunes or Apple uh, Podcasts um, to getting even the first 10,000 downloads or first thousand downloads. Like what's the, the what's, what have you learned uh, over the years in terms of growing listenership, um, mm-hmm. getting the subscribers, um, but also like what's the goal for you guys with the podcast? I mean, it's not just about, we just want a million, million downloads. Like that's, I assume that's not just the metric. Um, yeah. It's actually fueling a lot of things that are happening, like you say, with your products and, and opportunities. Yeah. So, so, um, so the first part of that question, how, how we grow the podcast. Um, so, you know, let me first uh, qualify with the fact or disclaim with the fact that we did have a bit of an audience before we launched this podcast. So we did have a mailing list that was, you know, in the tens of thousands of subscribers. So when we launched this podcast, we were able to go to our mailing list and say, hey, here's the new show and kind of jump it up the rankings pretty quickly. Um, saying that, when we started our, our first podcast back in 2010, we didn't have that. We, we, nobody knew who we were. We didn't have a list. We had nothing, nothing really to, to no, no way to grow it. So the, the number one recommendation that I give people to try to grow a show is to just go get on other people's shows. So when you start your own podcast, the absolute best way to grow your podcast is to be on other podcasts because people that are tuning in those podcasts, well, we know they like podcasts. 
And if you entertain them and you educate them and they like what you had to say on that podcast, there's a pretty good chance they're going to jump over and, you know, check out a couple of your episodes and then ideally subscribe. So that is the absolute number one way to grow a podcast is just get on as many podcasts as you can. Don't worry about the size of the podcast. Like one question I've never asked and nobody's really even ever asked us is how big is your podcast? How many downloads do you get? I just, I don't even care. It doesn't matter to me. I love talking to people. I love sharing information. And even if a podcast right now only gets 100 downloads a month, who's to say that a year from now, it won't be a huge podcast is getting 100,000 downloads a month. And you're right in there in that feed and people will still be discovering you. So it doesn't, doesn't matter to me how big a podcast is. Just, you know, get on more of them. So that's kind of my number one tip. Um, number two would be to this is sort of more for a a show that has guests, but ask your guests to share, bring on guests that have audiences and get them to share. And in the beginning, you may only be able to get people on that have smaller audiences. You know, maybe they've got a social media following of a thousand people or something. That's a start. That's going to get you your first download. So bring people on that you can interview and then ask the people that you interviewed to share the interview with their audience. And that's another way to kind of get things kickstarted. Then over time, you get bigger and bigger and bigger guests who have bigger and bigger audiences. And that, that sort of sharing element of it gets easier and easier. Um, so that's number two. And then other than like those kinds of things, you know, sharing on social media, mailing your list, if you've got it, leveraging the, you know, the audience that you already have, if you've got it and, um, and, and going and being on other podcasts, we do some like growth hacky kind of stuff. Like we'll buy advertising to our podcast. We'll buy Facebook ads to the podcast and Google ads, to the podcast. You can actually buy advertising in some of the, the, um, the podcast player apps. So there's apps like Overcast and Castro and another one's Podcast Republic. And there's a handful of them that you can actually go straight to the app creator and ask them if uh, there's some way to promote your podcast within their platform. And most of them have some sort of paid method to promote your podcast and get more awareness on it inside of their app. So we do a lot of things like that. So with those um, ones, do you, do you record the audio for that or did, did I do that for you? It's not audio. So the apps oh, okay. will have like a little like image ad. Right. So Overcast, for example, when you open that app to listen to a podcast, let's say you click on a podcast that's like a, a business podcast. Let's say you're listening to the Hustle and Flowchart podcast on Overcast. Well, while you're on Overcast in the very bottom, like, you know, maybe one fifth of the screen, there'll be actually a little banner with like a little one sentence piece of ad copy. So you can write less than a tweet. It's maybe like 100 characters. And then it automatically pulls in the image from your podcast. And so you have to write about 100 characters of copy. And that's about it. <laughs> Challenge right there. But that's your copywriting skills. Um, really cool. Okay. So uh, let's. Uh, I'm going to go from... That's a distribution channel. So we're talking about podcasts. To Let's go back to the start of this topic, which is, okay, you've got an online product, right? So I know you guys have a couple of courses, Perpetual Audience Growth. You've got the affiliate promotion engine. Um, you're also selling other people's products um, as affiliates for them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so let's, someone's listening to this and they're going, okay, I'm just about to launch an online course or maybe I've already launched it. Um, how do I use content to, to drive sales for that particular product, Matt? Yeah, so... The, a lot of the courses that we actually sell right now, we're actually phasing out. We were talking about the, the whole focus element. So a lot of these courses, we're actually not going to be selling um, for too much longer. They're still available, but uh, a lot of those are going to go away. But the way that we sell uh, those courses and affiliate offers through content, well, there's, there's multiple ways we do it. So the first, first and foremost is the podcast. The podcast is our content marketing strategy. 
So we will bring on um, product creators and we'll interview the product creators about their product. And then we'll use that as a, a piece of content to promote as an affiliate. We'll talk about their product and, you know, mention a link on the show. And then in the show notes of the episode, we'll, we'll put a link over to that affiliate link. Uh, so we'll do that kind of thing. We do the same thing with our courses. Joe and I do what we call therapy session episodes. A therapy session episode just means we don't have a guest. It's just me and Joe chatting together uh, about whatever's on our mind in the moment. And a lot of times in that, we'll talk about some of the courses that we have available and, and sort of direct people to go grab our courses. So that's how the sort of affiliate promotion engine and some of those kinds of things come into play. Um, other than that, we like to write blog posts too. We'll do written blog posts about some of the products. We'll write product reviews. We'll write tutorials on how to use various products. We'll write uh, comparisons that compare to products that are very similar. Um, you know, so th- really that's, that's what we're doing with our content marketing is the podcast, the written content that usually includes some affiliate links. Now we're actually starting to get into video stuff. Funny enough, doing it for as long as we have, we've never really put a focus on making video stuff in our business. So we've actually started doing the interviews on camera now for our podcast. So we have video footage. We're actually starting up a brand new YouTube channel that we're actually going to take seriously instead of it just being a, a dumping ground for our videos that nobody's paying attention to. Um, and so we're actually going to get more and more into video marketing and the same concepts apply. We're going to have tutorials and reviews and case studies and things like that in video form, which ideally will encourage people to purchase the products through our links. Are you working with um, some specialist in video marketing or how are you sort of getting that strategy together? Yeah. So as, as far as like the content of the videos, we're not really working with a specialist. We've just kind of accumulated information and ideas and tips from people just from being on our podcast. I mean, we've had probably 15 YouTube experts on the podcast over the years. So we've just sort of soaked up the knowledge about what should go into the videos from those people. As far as the actual posting strategy and the frequency and the, um, you know, the, the sort of um, like targeting and and keywords that you use and descriptions and titles and all that kind of stuff. We do actually have some people that we're working with. Um, their, their names are actually Aaron Biblo and Tristan. Ah, he's going to kill me. I forgot his last name. Um, but we actually had, did a podcast episode with these guys. They taught us their YouTube strategy. And um, after they taught us their YouTube strategy, one of the guys actually came out to San Diego and was here for like two months straight. And so we actually went and met with him for lunch two or three times and he mapped out an entire YouTube strategy for us. (laughs) (laughs) Love how that works. Um, Cool. I'm looking forward to seeing that, you know, these uh, videos that you guys are going to be throwing up soon. Um, Now you're, you're, like I said earlier, you guys are masters at repurposing content. So can you just take us through um, for the listeners here who are producing Let's start with podcast because that's like your number one sort of thing that you're doing. Um, yeah. How do you repurpose the content? So you record it, you publish it, and then what do you do? Yeah. So with our podcast, we do something very unique. I'm not sure. I know of only one other podcaster that's doing this right now, and they were actually a client of ours when we were doing this for them as an agency. So we actually repurpose our podcast into a printed newsletter. So every single episode that we record, we actually have a note taker who works for us, who listens to the whole episode. And she actually just takes notes on the whole thing. She, it, and it's not like show notes that you see on a podcast page that kind of tease out what you're going to hear in the podcast. These are everything we talked about. Any sort of tactics that they broke down, we broke, break them down in the notes. Any sort of tools or resources they mentioned, broken out in the notes. Their backstory, all of it, it's all in the notes. So anybody can kind of get this recap of everything we talked about in that episode. 
And then that all those, all those notes, they go into this newsletter that go out on a monthly basis to all of our monthly subscribers. And it's actually a physical print newsletter. You can actually open it and flip through it and highlight it and write in the margins and all that kind of stuff. So that's the, the first thing that we do to repurpose it. And that's actually one of our larger income streams in our business is the subscription revenue that comes from that newsletter. Now, the way we actually promote that newsletter is when you're listening to an episode of our podcast, we actually have a call to action that says, hey, we're taking notes on this episode. You can get those notes for free by going to this URL and we'll tell them what URL to go get them. We also have like a a text number that you can text in to get the notes as well. Um, But we'll give them a call to action to go get the notes for this episode for free. But the notes for each episode are only available for free for two weeks and then they get locked down into a, into the members area where only the monthly members get access. And then, you know, you have to be a, a, a monthly member of this newsletter and of our subscription membership to get the new notes after two weeks. So they're free for two weeks and then they get locked into the vault and then you get them in the mail and you can access them from inside the members area. So that's, that's kind of the, the revenue stream off the podcast. That's probably the largest revenue stream from directly related to the podcast. Um, and then beyond that, we have a second podcast called Hustle and Flow Shorts, which is a daily show. And the, so our podcast interviews are usually about an hour minimum. Sometimes they're upwards of two hours. And so we created Hustle and Flow Shorts to just take little nuggets of wisdom. They're like 10 to 15 minutes total and break them out into a daily show. So we actually have somebody on our team. His name's Jacob. He listens to all of these episodes and finds really interesting clips to pull out, pulls out little seven to 15 minute clips, and then adds a little two minute intro to them. And he basically hosts the second podcast that we do. So that's another way that we're repurposing this podcast content. Um, on top of that, we make uh, like headliner videos. I'm sure you're familiar with, with headliner where you, you take the video clips. And if you don't have video, it'll put a static image, but it'll have a little like waveform animation over the image. And we'll take little clips. They're usually the same clips that we're using for Hustle and Flow Shorts. We'll make a little video out of them and we'll share those on Instagram and we'll share them on LinkedIn. And we've tested sharing them on Facebook, but they don't really get much traction on Facebook. Um, you know, but we'll, we'll try to spread those little content pieces around. And then we'll also give our podcast guests access to that content. So the little um, meme images and the headliner video animations, we give links to our guests so our guests could share those on their wall and further promote our podcast. So those are, you know, those are a handful of the, the, the probably the highest leverage repurposing things that we do. Um, do, you, um, do you overlay that with uh, PPC campaigns to kind of boost some of that content or how do you, yeah, what's your take? Yeah, on? so the, the, the headliner videos, the, those style videos, I will put them on Facebook and then I will advertise those videos to people that are in our ecosystem. So basically I have a, and this is kind of getting to the weeds here a little bit, but I have an ad target inside of Facebook of anybody who's interacted with us in the last 30 days. So if you've commented on a Facebook post, watched one of our videos past 25%, visited one of our websites, purchased anything from us, um, you know, interacted on our Instagram page, there's a whole bunch of criteria that all falls into this. This person's interacted with us in the last 30 days. And so that's a retargeting audience that we create. And then all of these assets that we're creating on the back of our podcast will create Facebook uh, ads and then we'll show those ads to anybody that's in that audience. So once somebody's listened to our podcast once or been to our Facebook page once or watched one of our online videos just once, now all of a sudden on Facebook, you're kind of seeing us everywhere. Yeah, and that's, that's the whole, these guys are everywhere strategy. <laughs> I love yep. it, I love it. 
Yeah, and it's working really well. I mean, I, I, it's funny because I'll be reading a blog post somewhere and I'm like, I can see the, you know, your podcast showing up and I'm going, what the? Okay, they're, they're doing their jobs. <laughs> yep, um, and we'll do it with Google Display Network ads and stuff like that too. That's probably what you're seeing on other people's blogs. <laughs> now, we're going to quickly um, just uh, a little bit talk about a little bit uh, affiliate promotion and, mm-hmm. and how do you, what's your, I don't know what that is, the truck or something outside. Um, but how do you, so you've got, let's, You've got your products that you want to sell, whether it's your newsletter or you've got these courses. I know they're fading away, but when, you, when you're mm-hmm. doing them, um, how do you then go to other potential partners and, and, and how do you get them to, to share some of your stuff around? And, and, and like, what's the arrangement? Is it a profit share? Is it just purely because we love each other and we want to share mm-hmm. like, good content? How do, you, how do you make that work? Or what are some ideas that, that our listeners can sort of um, action on? Yeah. So with, with our product specifically, we've never actually made a drive to get affiliates to promote it. We do have some affiliates promoting it, but I think all of the affiliates that are promoting it sort of approached us and asked if they could. And so we opened up affiliates stuff for them. Um, we had a handful of friends that are local here in San Diego that, um, you know, they asked us if they can promote. So we opened up the affiliate program for them. And then, so, but it, it hasn't been a focus of ours to bring on affiliates for our own products. However, we do promote a lot of other people's products. So I do know from the perspective of being somebody who is an affiliate, you know, what kind of things people are looking for. Yeah, what's um, your criteria? How do you determine, you know, these are the products that we, we want to put uh, out to our audience and these won't, just won't fly? Because I'm sure a lot of people might pitch you and say, well, I've got oh, this yeah. cool software or I've got this whatever. Um, and how do you determine, well, yes or no? Yeah. So with, with what we're doing, we really only promote, you know, maybe six or seven affiliate products at any given time. We're not trying to just spread ourselves very thin with a ton of products. We want to go deep on a handful of products that we really can get behind. So criteria number one is we've got to use it ourselves in our own business. If we're not using it, then we're not going to be able to talk intelligently of it. We're not going to be able to answer people's questions. We're not going to be able to tell you what we like about it, what we don't like about it. So we've got to use it ourselves. That's key number one. Um, Number two, this rule we break fairly often, but we like to see it above a certain price threshold. You know, we want to we we want to make at least you know maybe seventy five dollars minimum commissions on it. Anything below that, it's it starts to get really difficult to do any sort of advertising campaigns behind it, um, and it it just becomes less worth our time because we could put our focus on the ones that are going to pay us a lot higher dollar amounts. So just the the opportunity cost of the lower. Uh, priced products make it difficult. But we do break that rule from time to time. If we have a really good relationship with somebody, uh, for example, we promote a tool called Designer a lot. We love it. We use it in our business a lot. Um, We promote it because we're actually really good personal friends with the creator of it. He lives here in San Diego. We meet him for lunch once every two months. So that's part of the reason we're actually promoting that, even though it sort of falls below our threshold of what we'd be willing to promote. Um, you know, other than that, it's it's just really got to be a tool we use. It's got to have a minimum threshold of of price, and we've got to be able to create some some depth behind the content. I mean, there's a handful of products out there that are just kind of like little features that there's not a whole lot you can talk about it. It, it does this one thing. It does this one thing well, and what else can we say about it? So, you know, we we like products that are multi-dimensional that have a lot of features and functions and a lot of things that we can talk about around it. Um, other than that, you know, it's it's really a relationship game. It's really people approach us if if we get to know them and we get to like and you know we like them and we enjoy the product that they offer. There's a good chance that we'll we'll work something out and promote them. But 
Yeah, for the most part, it's it's really all about the, the just the networking and the, the getting to know people, which circles all the way back around to why do we do this podcast, which I don't think I ever actually answered when you asked that. But it's, you know, the reason, the main reason we started the podcast and the reason that we're so passionate about it now is the sort of automated networking element of it. We just get to meet new people constantly. Yeah, no, that's, I uh, can't say enough about that. Like, I think it's... Uh, it's like this, like you're in San Diego, I'm in, in Sydney, like how often are we going to get a chance to hang out, you know? And so it's, it's really, um, really powerful in that way. And if you, if you really be considerate and thoughtful about who you want to connect with, it's not like I want to bring everyone onto the podcast. It just, it's like, well, who do I want to learn from or, or who, and who can get value from what I'm sharing as well? So it's, it's really that collaboration effort right? and really like exactly. that. Yeah. Um, okay, we're going to just, uh, a question that we like to ask a lot, I guess, is like, what's your go-to process or practice or maybe a tool for being productive uh, and effectively managing your time and energy? Yeah, I've, I mean, I've got a, a handful of tools for that. Um, so there's a tool called OmniFocus that I use a lot. And I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with Getting Things Done by David Allen, but that sort of process of um, unloading your brain of everything that you think you might have to do into one tool and then once a week going through and looking at all this stuff that you unloaded and then prioritizing it to like, let's do it this week, let's do it next week, let's do it the following week. But I follow the, the, the GTD uh, philosophy from David Allen. And OmniFocus is a, a tool for Mac. I don't know if it's on PC or not, but it's a tool for Mac that basically is designed to do the GTD uh, mm-hmm. practice. Right. So I use that like crazy. Every, all of my recurring tasks on a daily basis they pop up in that. It's, you know, there's a little list of here's what you need to do today. And I have some things that are recurring, some things that I just kind of brain dumped a week earlier, but I moved it to today to get done. And that's really my sort of like task management. Here's what I need to do today. Other than that, I think, um, you know, we use a, a Google sheet that I turned into a calendar. I actually posted about it on Facebook today. I, I think you that. even commented on it. But, um, so we, we use Google sheets for a lot of that kind of stuff. The Google sheet actually shows what, um, what podcast came out today, any videos we released today, what email we're mailing to our list today, um, what we're posting on social media today. And it's all on just like a, a big calendar that shows everything that needs to get done this month. And the reason we do it that way is it allows us to get out in front of stuff. So we know three weeks from now, we have a promotion around Thrivecart that we're going to be doing. And it's already on our calendar. We can already see it. We already know what videos are gonna, we need to make for that. And so we're going to make those videos tomorrow, even though that promotion isn't happening for two weeks because next week I'm going to be in Florida and the following week I need those videos ready because the promotion has started. So that calendar gives us the ability to look ahead at what promotions we're going to do as an affiliate, what promotions we're going to do for our podcast, any sort of promotions that we're going to do. We're always about six weeks ahead of what we're going to be focused on so that there's no surprises. And if there's travel or things come up, we're ahead of it. It's queued up. It's scheduled. We're ready to go. We don't have to think about it. And that also gives us a lot of freedom too. If we want to go and take a week away from the computer and not do anything in our business, I could spend the week prior making sure all of our assets are ready for uh, what's coming up next week on our content promotional calendar. Yeah, I really like your your, your focus on assets and, and really just going, okay, well, what, well what's the, the, the thing that we're going to promote that's going to generate the revenue? What's the, the assets that need to be built for that? And then let's build it and let's map it out and, and do that. Um, and I like that you simplify it down to, it just needs to be a Google sheet. You don't need to have compl- complicated software to do all this. Um, and now you and Joe live in different cities, am I right? 
Uh, no, Joe actually lives about five minutes from me. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> say, well, you, well, you're working from home and he does that too. So you, in, in a way, you are still a remote company. Like you're not sitting in an office together. Um, right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you maintain, how do you keep the communication lines open? Uh, and, you know, as things come up and you need to... So adjust. we're in Slack all day. I've got, a, I've got a second monitor over to the side over here. And um, on my second monitor, I actually have Slack open and I have OmniFocus open. So I can see here's the things I need to get done today. And here's the communication with the team. So the, the team is me, uh, Joe. We have our operations manager, Shannon. We have our head of our podcasting, Jacob. He's the one who uh, does all the audio editing and uh, does a lot of the show notes and a lot of the setup for the podcast. And then we have two note takers, Sue and Kate. And, and then we have a uh, bookkeeper. Uh, so all of these people live in Slack. So pretty much any sort of communication that needs to happen with the team is all over here in Slack all day long. I usually have my notifications turned off so it's not just bloop, bloop, bloop all day long. But, you know, once or twice a day, I'll go, okay, is there anything that I need to be, uh, any, anything they need me for? And I'll just kind of look over at my Slack screen and see if there's anything that needs to happen. Um, and then, you know, Joe and I are kind of throwing ideas back and forth to each other in Slack all day long. Like I'll, I'll build a new landing page and I'll send him a link. I'll be like, hey, what's your feedback on this? And he'll go and make a video in, in ScreenFlow or something and he'll send me the video and be like, hey, give me your feedback on this. And so we're kind of sending stuff back and forth to each other all day long. Um, but, you know, for the most part, that promotional calendar that I showed you and Joe also uses OmniFocus. So we kind of both know what we need to be doing every day. It's not super necessary for us to be communicating constantly. Um, really, our only communications are every Monday, Joe and I have a, a pretty long call, oftentimes going, you know, four hours long, where mm. we're kind of planning out the week. You know, what, um, what assets do we need to build this week? What videos do we need to make? What content do we need to write? What emails need to happen? We're kind of just discussing all that stuff. We're discussing bigger picture stuff. We're discussing opportunities that are on our plate probably doing a little bit of BSing that doesn't have anything to do with business. Um, but, you know, we, we, we spend a long time every Monday in these really, really in-depth conversations. And then every Tuesday, we have a one-hour team meeting where we kind of get the team on the same page of everything that we talked about the prior day. And other than that, we don't really need to stay in touch. We kind of have our marching orders and we just do what we got to do. Make it happen. Yeah. Do you have, uh, are you using anything like an Asana or anything like that for the team? Or is it just all... Uh, our operations manager does. She uses okay. Podio, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, but but Joe and I aren't in Podio, so she's she works with our other team members inside of Podio. But she's actually flat out asked us to just stay out of that, you know, because she wants us to be kind of focused on the high level, bigger picture stuff. She doesn't want us to be, you know, in the weeds of the day to day, what needs to happen from all these other team members. So we do have a project management system. I couldn't even tell you how it's laid out. Uh, Shannon built it all. Shannon runs it. Shannon trained the team on how to how to use it. And Joe and I, we just we just hear from Shannon once a week about how things are going. Beautiful. I love it. I've got, I love the management structure and how you've got that team working. I mean, I'm sure it took you some time to build that. Um, but once you've got it clicking, it's amazing. Um, so you mentioned uh, bookkeeping and, and being that we are an online bookkeeping company, I'd have to ask you some financial questions now. <laughs> yep. um, so uh, what is your, what tool are you using for, for your bookkeeping or your accounting? Uh, so for evergreen profits, we're actually still on QuickBooks online for that, but Joe and I actually each have our own individual businesses as well. Mm. Um, so like the structure of our business is there's evergreen profits and then evergreen profits pays my business and Joe's business. And it kind of like trickles down that way. Um, so for my business personally, um, I'm using zero and I think Joe's using QuickBooks online. So evergreen mm -hmm. profits is QuickBooks online. 
my business, which is Mach 4 LLC, which is the initials of my, me, my wife, and both my kids, <laughs> Matt, Alana, Cora, Hollis, Mach, M-A-C-H. Amazing. So Mach 4 <laughs> is my business, and that, that's all on zero. And after using zero from QuickBooks, I, I wouldn't go back. I love zero. <laughs> I'm going to use that. That's a, that's a, don't tell Joe, but you're my favorite now. Um, okay, so, uh, well, yeah, what does financial freedom mean to you? And this, I, I really want your perspective because you guys focus on generating affiliate income, which to some degree is passive. Um, mm-hmm. So what does financial freedom, financial independence mean to you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so financial freedom, financial independence to me, really, when I think of that, I just think of feeling completely secure, like any sort of expenses that might pop up. I know I've got it covered. I've got six months uh, to a year of leeway in my, in my bank account. So if uh, a water bur- a water pipe bursts in my house, I know I've got the money to cover it. Um, all of my bills are covered and you know, I, I can do what I want. I've, for me, and you know, for me, it's not really as much as I think most people claim that they actually need. I think when you actually reverse engineer the numbers of how much you need to be financially free, it's really nowhere near where most people think they need it to be. You know, I think um, you know, for Joe and I, if if we're making ten thousand dollars a month, we're financially free. Luckily, we've gotten to the point where we we're able to generate more than that and reinvest it back into the business. But you know. For me, it's just I want to be able to make sure all the bills are paid. I've got a nice runway for if anything pops up unexpectedly. And I've got the money available to me to go on trips and to get whatever I need on a day-to-day basis. That's that's really all I'm striving for when it comes to finances. Yeah, great, great answer. And I agree with that. Um, did you grow up in a family that was you always spoke about money all the time? Or was that more... Like I didn't. Like for me, my, my parents were just culturally was like don't talk about money to your kids. So I don't know for you, how did you learn your financial literacy skills and, and, and reading numbers and these sort of things? Yeah. So I, I grew up in sort of an entrepreneurial family. My, my parents actually owned a business when I was in high school. So our, our family kind of had a rags to riches to rags again story. <laughs> so, you know, my, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, we lived in a very, very small house in, a, in one of the less, uh, affluent parts of San Diego. Um, I think everybody thinks of San Diego and they think, okay, everybody in San Diego is wealthy and it's like, you know, really, really expensive to live there. And it is, but there is some parts of San Diego that you probably don't really want to go to at night if you don't really know your way around. Um, and we grew up in kind of one of those towns. We grew up in a, a, a very small house and a, not a very expensive neighborhood. And my parents didn't have a lot of money when I was young. When I was uh, in high school, the company that they both worked for, they both worked at the same company when I was a kid. They act- the company actually went out of business and went under. And so they had to figure out quickly, okay, crap, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay the bills? And so they started their own business. They started a shutter company. And so this was like my freshman year in high school. So I don't know, it was 14 or 15 or some- somewhere around there. Um, and so I actually came in and started working for their company when I was still in high school. That was my first job was working at their company after school. And so I actually started to learn the business world and, and that kind of thing at a fairly early age in my, my early teens. And over time, by the time I was like 20, I was the operations manager of that company. And I also did all of the bookkeeping and I did all of the financial management and all of the payroll and all of that kind of stuff. That was the role that, that fell on me. And so that's when I actually got really, really proficient with spreadsheets and all of that kind of stuff. 
Um, that business, unfortunately, eventually, when the economy took a turn in 2008, people stopped buying houses, which means mm-hmm. they stopped buying shutters. And then that company took a dive and eventually went under as well. And you know, and then our family had struggle again. And I left that company and before it went under and I started my own business. And so, you know, there's a lot of various elements and storyline there that have have shaped how I think about finances and how I think about business. But, you know, growing up, there was, I think my parents leveraged a lot of, a lot of debt. And I think some of those bad habits stuck with me um, afterwards. And I got myself into some debt trouble that I've, had to get myself unburied from and you know but it's yeah it's an interesting story it's actually something i haven't reflected on really at all until you just brought it up <laughs> well, i don't know that's a good thing but um, um thank you for sharing like i, I think it's and this is the kind of conversation we, we we want to open up with entrepreneurs because uh, obviously we focus on financial literacy and we're actually um yeah we've got an, a, a zero bookkeeping course specifically designed for business owners so they can actually mm-hmm. go through and learn how to like uh, do their bookkeeping or give someone in a team to do it, but um, to really get an idea of okay, what do the numbers mean and where's the cash flow coming in this month? Where's it going? You know, if I want to buy something or go to an event in San Diego in six months' time, can I afford it? Um, can I hire that team member? These sort of things. And, and I feel, you know, you've been through a roller coaster, and I can I can tell, you know, like your family and yourself, and then you've been up and down. So so you've definitely had a, a roller coaster journey with entrepreneurship uh, with your families, businesses and, and yourself. Um, and so I guess what's your like, how do you stay sane? <laughs> <laughs> when you know, you've got obviously you've got kids to take care of your wife, you've got other things going on. So how do you make sure that how do you ride through it? What do you do to ride through those waves? Because the, the waves are inevitable. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I, have, a, I have a handful of, of sort of daily practices that I keep up with that help um, you know, I, I wish I could say one of those daily practices was that I meditate every day. I try, <laughs> um, I, I try to meditate, but I definitely fall out of the routine from time to time, but I love meditation. I think meditation is one of the most powerful things that you can do to just sort of calm your mind. Um, because if you can spend, you know, 20 minutes a day in meditation, then when you have the, the sort of really hectic moments, when things are kind of freaking out, it just kind of feels easier to stay calm. And I, I can't really explain it. I don't know the science behind it. I don't claim to know the science behind it. I just know that in highly stressed situations, meditation helps you just kind of stay a little bit more even. So that's kind of one of them. Number two is I'm a big journaler. In fact, yeah, my that's that chair right there. That was actually my wife's nursing chair for when she was nursing our kids. I moved it to my office. Now it's my journaling chair. The, the journal is literally sitting on the thing right there. <laughs> uh, so I journal every single day. I kind of unload my thoughts. I mentioned... Um, getting things done is sort of a process where if you know there's a lot you need to do, just dump it all. Unload your brain, all of it, whether you think you're going to do it or not, just unload it all. You can always delete it out of your whatever you're getting things done system is later. Well, I do the same thing with journaling. Any sort of like weird thoughts I have about the business or family or relationships or arguments I've been in or any anything that's going on in my life, I journal about it. And just sort of unloading it from your brain helps calm the mind around those topics. That's number two. And then number three is earlier you, you were making a good point about how I'd kind of seen the ups and the downs of, of what business looks like. And I think the realization that the, the downs are never as bad as you think they're going to be and the ups are never as great as you think they're going to be. So just be happy in wherever you are. That is such a huge key to business and to life is to just focus on being happy and being fulfilled 
no matter what state you're in, financially or emotionally or in business, it doesn't matter. Try to figure out how to enjoy whatever it is you're doing while you're doing it. Because that milestone that you're shooting for, it's probably not going to bring as much pleasure when you get to it as you believe. And that worst case scenario, oh man, I blew all my money on Facebook ads and lost it all. Well, that worst case scenario is probably not as bad as you think it's going to be either, right? You have communities to lean on. That is really what debt exists for. I'm not, you know, I'm not recommending you go get into debt, but it is there for a reason. It is the safety net if necessary, right? But just kind of thinking about what is the worst case scenario? What is the best case scenario? And then realizing that either extreme is probably not what you think it's going to be. And just enjoying the process and enjoying the moment, that's, that's a huge key. And I think that's also a big piece of the sort of shift that Joe and I made over, over this year is we kind of analyzed what stuff do we do on a daily basis that we actually enjoy doing and how do we do more of that? Because at the end of the day, the goals that we're shooting for, they're, they're always going to be a moving goalpost, right? If I'm shooting for a million dollars a month in our business and we finally get to a million dollars a month in our business, well, next month we're shooting for 1.2 million, right? There's always a moving goalpost and you never seem to enjoy the getting to the goal. The reward is never as, as good. So the key for me, and I think the key for Joe is figuring out how do I enjoy the journey, even if I never make it to the outcome. That, that's a very poignant and very um, powerful because I know that's, seems to be a much Western way of thinking, like let's look at the goals and how do we get there and then we get caught up in getting there. And, and like, I, I mean, I, my own story was my mother passed away when she was 55. She had cancer and um, never got there. Like she never got to the goal, you know, mm-hmm. um, which was really about me. It was more about me having kids um, so she could be a, gra- a grandmother. But um, mm-hmm. that was my realization at a very early age was like, we might not be able to get to that, you know, whether it's a $1 million valuation, wherever it may be, right? Like it's, it's, but what we do have right now is I've got my kids here. I've got family that love me and friends here, you know, that I can hang out with who know me. Um, I've got a, some, a vacation or, or something I'm doing that, that brings me joy. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's like, I love that when you, we opened up with you talking about your kids and, and what, what you love about being a, a father and, and how mm-hmm. you know, it's those little moments that you share with them. And um, if there's one way to bring, bring yourself back to presence, it's, through children or through mm-hmm. animals or, or, you know, whatever it may be. We're just going down to the beach, right? Whatever it is for you. Um, yeah. Love it, man. So we're going to wrap up now just with one final question on that bookshelf behind you, or maybe not on that bookshelf, but um, what's a book that's really made an impact in your life? You know, it's funny because we asked a similar question on our show, but I actually have never really put a ton of thought into it myself. Um, you know, I, I have some cliche books that I can mention. Uh, Sure. So the, 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 the two books that got me into entrepreneurship, the ones that led me down the path back in, oh, you know, 07-ish was when I read these two books, were The 4-Hour Workweek and Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Now, I know on our podcast, those books have probably been mentioned about 30% of the people who come on our show mentioned those two books. So, <laughs> um, you know, I want to I try to give something that, uh, that maybe people haven't heard of as much. And the book that comes to mind that, that really, really landed well with me was a book called Straight Line Leadership by, I can't even pronounce the, the, the name, um, but it, it's called Straight Line Leadership and it's, it's sort of a mental framework for running a business. So if you think of like, uh, like stoic philosophy, like this type of stuff that Ryan Holiday puts out, Obstacle is the Way and Ego is the Enemy and books like that, it's kind of similar concepts, but 
the book is more focused on business and being a good leader. Mm. And that book has had a huge, huge impact on me. It's just a whole bunch of reframes of things that happen in your life and your business. And these reframes really make some of the struggles feel like less of struggles. All right. So the book, uh, okay, the author is Dusan Jukic, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes. But um, thanks for the recommendation. I, I'm all about, you know, uh, how do we develop as internally as leaders? Because that's, mm. um, you know, at the end of the day, how you lead um, determines what kind of results you get. Um, yeah. and, and that's, you know, for, for those of us who, a lot of us listening to this will, will sort of resonate with that idea of where we, we kind of, um, control what we can control and everything mm-hmm. else will happen. So, uh, look, Matt, it's been just a, a very insightful conversation. It's been amazing to have you here. Um, thanks for joining us. Is there any final parting words for our, our, our audience? And is there anything that um, we can share with our audience? I know you guys got a ton of resources, uh, but is there anything that, uh, that, that you'd like them to be aware of? Yeah, I actually set up a special link over at hustleandflowchart.com slash bean. And what I put on that link is, um, it's actually what we call our evergreen traffic playbook. So what, what the, that playbook is, it's a book that's for sale right now on Amazon. But uh, if you go to that link, you can get a free digital copy of it. And basically on our podcast, we've interviewed like about 300 people now. And out of those 300 people, about 50 of them have been people that are, you know, traffic ninjas, right? Mm. They're, they're people that just have amazing traffic strategies, Justin Brooke and Mike Rhodes and, uh, drawing a blank on a lot of names. Dennis there, but yep. Yeah, a ton, tons and tons of people that have shared amazing traffic strategies from, for us. And so what that is, is a lot of recaps of the traffic strategies that those people have shared with us. We talk about podcasting. We talk about how we grew our podcast. And then that, that course that you mentioned, our PAG traffic course, there's a, a breakdown of that strategy as well. So we teach our traffic strategy. We teach how we grew our podcast. And then we sort of curated all of the various traffic strategies that our various guests have shared on our show. And that's all available in that book. And we put that at hustleandflowchart.com slash bean. Love it. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Go grab that, guys. A ton of value Matt has dropped today. Uh, I want to do a quick shout out to James Stramco and, and the Superfast Business Podcast. That's how I actually discovered you guys. Um, and I know he's been on your podcast a couple of times. So yeah. um, one day we'll probably see you in, in Sydney, hopefully, um, at yeah, one of these events. actually... I think he actually invited us to speak at Superfast Business. There you go. So we'll probably be out there. I've never been there, so looking forward to it. Love it. All right. Well, looking forward to seeing you guys when you are in Oz. Uh, Thanks for your time, mate. And um, yeah, all the best for 2020 and narrowing down on your focus. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Want to upgrade your financial skills and learn how to use Xero better? Here's what Emma and Tyler of the Merrymaker Sisters shared about their experience with how to do your bookkeeping in Xero course. We signed up for the financial literacy course with Merrill and Bean Ninjas because we literally had no idea about the finance section of our business. We kind of were like in this stage where it was like, oh, that's too hard. That's too confronting. We're just going to like bury our heads in the sand and ignore it and keep going with the stuff we're good at, like the marketing or like the (laughs) design. But finance is important and now we feel much better. One of the things that we implemented after doing financial literacy training was we started cash flow forecasting and this changed (laughs) the business game for us. 
why did we not do this yeah. sooner? <laughs> I think the best thing that it has done for us is that it's alleviated all anxiety yeah. and all stress around money for the business. So if you're someone who gets overwhelmed with the idea of going into your zero file and not really knowing what's going on money-wise with your business and you just want a simple way to understand zero and finances for your peace of mind, our How to Do Your Bookkeeping in Zero course might help. Head over to beninjas.com forward slash waitlist to learn more about our course and join the waitlist to receive updates about our next enrollment period. You'll also receive our free three-part video training series on how to find hidden cash in zero. That's beninjas.com forward slash waitlist.